Sitting outside in abandoned raging waters in Cunningham Park, San Jose, California, I'm Schmitty, and this is Talking Schmidt. Today, well, today we have reached a milestone, kids. You see, today is episode 200, and honestly, I'm smiling about it. I think from the get-go, once I really started doing these, the thought of 100 episodes seemed obtainable. However, 200? I know I don't come equipped with the most self-confidence under the hood, but yeah, 200 seemed like it was gonna be tough, especially since I've done almost every part of this journey solitaire style, and it's not my top priority. I got another job, I got a wife, I got a dog, you know, the whole deal. So anyway, I'm just patting myself on the back here a little bit. Okay, well, with all that being said, I wanted this episode to be special. And by that, I don't mean a sarcastic special special. I mean like one for the books special for both the listener and also for myself. So without too much hesitation, I called upon my old friend that just happens to be one of the pioneers that had a huge part of creating the voice, the photos, the music, the logos, and all that shaped Thrasher Magazine in its early day growth in Hunter's Point. That's right. Episode 200 is going to be a two-parter with the one and only MoFo. Mo is a gracious guy, and he's honored me with yet another appearance on my podcast. And it means a lot to me that he wanted to do it in person. So I packed up my equipment met down at his house in san jose and he had a bunch of equipment and we headed over to cunningham park and set it all up played with a bunch of mics adjusted settings got caught up and basically made a full day of it okay so before we get to our advertisers and the interview i just want to thank each and every one of you who has been on part or all of this journey It's not over, but today I look back and reflect and say, thank you listeners. Thank you, McCanny. Thank you to every guest. Thank you, distributors. Thank you, advertisers. Thank you. Thank you, Blood Wizard. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Thank you, San Carlos. Thank you, skate shops everywhere. Thank you, honeybee. Thank you, life. Thank you. Thank you, my beautiful wife. How about letting us listen to MoFo? This is MoFo, and you're listening to Talkin' Schmidt. Hey, 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 fucking Schmidt. I'm already not watching. It's cool, like, tonight is the night. Damn, this is, like, the coolest thing I'm ever gonna do. I wouldn't say it was fun. What do you mean? Well, Christian Fletcher's younger brother. Fuck the dog is. Uh, big dog's in. What do you think, Dolan? Be on, Schmitty. Talking Schmidt. Alpha macaroni. Most of these guys, their opinion don't matter. Talking Schmidt, right? It's skateboarding. I remember that. Talking Schmidt. What are yuns doing? Holy shit. Skateboarding homies. No, Schmidt, you can't jump in. What is happening? I'm here for Wi-Fi check one, Wi-Fi check two. All right, welcome back to another episode of Talking Schmidt. I'm Schmitty, and I'm here, where are we? Lake Cunningham Park with MoFo. We got like all kinds of mics. We've done a bunch of different little tests with all kinds of different things, but uh, catching up with Mo again. How you doing, Mo? Doing great. Nice day out. Airplanes flying overhead. Wind blowing, no clouds. No clouds. Blue skies and joggers. Yeah, that's just sounds some bouncing by. Working with uh, Gator Frameworks. We've got a uh, what do we got? What's this one called? Uh, Fang Fang, Fang Dong. Fang Dong. We got Fang Dong in the front. We got some condensers, F- dynamic. Fang Dong. Condenser mic, Electro Voice Raven. Uh-huh. We got a neat Bumblebee. No, Worker Bee. And we got an SEV7 Chrome stage mic. 
that's uh, dynamic. There you have it. There you have it. So we're diving in. Uh, I did an interview with Mo, episode 99. That was 101 episodes ago. And following that episode was episode 100 with Mr. Tommy Guerrero. That's hilarious. What year was that? When I started the interview with Tommy, he's like, man, that MoFo interview, it was good. But it felt like you just got started. There's so much more. So we're back, and we're going to talk more. Um, I think Mo's going to give us a story about a behind-the-scenes look at some of his photos. I got some questions from some of the dudes in the industry, and we're just going to shoot the shit and see what happens. So, See what happens. <laughs> the, the first one actually comes from Tommy, and he was asking how you got... How did the MoFo name come about? Well... Um, back in the 70s, I was making skateboards for this guy named Ron Mowry. And he was making them in his garage, and I was just doing that in his garage, and I ended up making some boards my own shape and um, came up with a name for it and uh, came up with MoFo skateboards. And... Then all the guys just would call me that whenever I went to the Winchester or Campbell Skate Park. And uh, they just kept calling me that, and that was my name. Uh, And then eventually, after I started work at Thrasher, um, and uh, after a few girlfriends' parents asked me, well, what does MoFo stand for? (laughs) And after I told them, um, I made that mistake more than a few times explaining what that meant. Uh, so I invented a name, uh, that it could be short for. And it turns out that the name that I thought I invented was actually a real name in Europe. And not only that, it turns out that that region that that name is from, Alsace-Lorraine, was where my grandfather's family came from on my dad's side. Oh, damn. My dad's parents were Lithuanian and Alsatian, which was like French-German border, and it kind of fluctuated back and forth through history. So it turns out that it's a real name from there. Wow. Uh, I did not know that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Some German people came, by, or Austrian or whatever, uh, people came to the Thrasher offices, and they're like, going, oh, interesting name, Moritzen. I'm like, that's a real name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Moritzen. Really? It's a real name, and it has a way that it's pronounced. I had no idea. <sighs> There you got it, Tommy. So now you know. Uh, Fucking Tommy. Tommy wasn't. Weren't you on Love a flight guy. with Tommy's first flight? Was with you and and maybe Fausto or Swenson or something? I, I think I remember right. Yeah, he little skinny, skinny and swarthy. Uh. I mean that he and 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 terrified <laughs> of uh, on that flight. Um, and then. I think he was also on the flight to Japan where nobody was daring to fall asleep because those who did got sharpied <laughs> on their face. Oh, yeah, the old <laughs> sharpie with some not-so-pleasant uh, art on your forehead. Yep, yep. And uh, I think Craig Johnson, was. Uh, uh, he was sitting behind us on the plane and he he was on acid <laughs> and he was playing he bought, he bought a blast box at the uh, the airport in New York and one cassette which was Andrew Dice Clay so it, it, it was my introduction to Andrew Dice Clay over and over and over again blasting he had the thing on his lap just blasting that 
Hickory dickory duck. The fuck. mouse ran up the clock. <laughs> hey, fuck you. <laughs> you know, okay. And he was sucking money. And, yeah. and, we, and we actually drank the plane out of beer. Damn. They tried stopping serving us twice. They came to me like if I was some sort of spokesperson. I don't know why they thought that. Um, but I said, okay, if you're going to cut off everyone from beer, I'm not causing the problems. So give me six beers, and then you can cut off everybody else. And then the stewardess started crying, and, <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the pilot came, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing out here? <laughs> Why aren't you flying the plane? Right. Yeah. Well, the stewardess was crying, and I'm like, <laughs> I, why are you talking to me? <laughs> There's like 30 guys here. Yeah, yeah, one, one peed all over himself, and then one, you know, they, they climbed over the heads of everybody and <laughs> all the tourists and stuff. Uh, Chris Stropel, he, he chimed in with, uh, he wanted to see if you remembered uh, cruising around SF with him and KT. Um, it's is, foggy. Is it's that foggy? Yeah, it was probably under the influence <laughs> of something or someone. And was that the time that it involved us hitting three cars and a brick wall and getting pulled over by the cops <laughs> and them? running up to the car and throwing driver's license and insurance and everything in the window and, and screaming, have a good night, and they peeled away and went to some emergency. It could be. We're going to have to check in with Stropel on that. I don't, I don't know if they even, that was his question. Oh. Screaming Lord Salva, who is the girl with boobs in the Indiad? Peggy, Andrea, random girl? I will go with C. On that one, um, that was Stesic, somebody that Stesic knew, and he shot that. Um, Andrea was the, the boobs on the Thunder Rat. Okay. What what was one of, like, do you, this is be racking your brain, but 80s trips that you took, What which ones or which one would you think sticks out kind of to you that's like, whew, let's talk about this one? Um, well, I think it was the first time I went to the East Coast. Fausto got mad at me. I ran out the door. We had a hotel right on the beach, and I wanted to go jump in the Atlantic Ocean. So it was like 3 in the morning. So I went and did that with my Levi's and my t-shirt and everything. I took my shoes off. Um, and then I walked into an all-night diner and had grits because I'd never had grits before. Um, I think that was VA Beach. And then from there, we went to the contest out there, Trashmore. Mm. And then Gator got chased by the cops and then the cops got him when they took him away. And then I think Fausto and Dorfman went and tried to bail him out or did bail him out. I forget. <laughs> and then um, doing lots of drugs in the porta potty. Uh, and then it was a huge ramp that was just incredible. And uh, there was a fence around it. And I didn't know if it was more fun watching the skating or watching uh, Frank Hawk walk around and kick people out. Uh. And it was kind of fun watching him going around like, you, out of here. How'd you get in here? Get out. Get out. Who, me? Who, me? Yeah. <laughs> and I was taking more pictures of him doing that than of the skating. And the skating was in insane um uh the it, it because of the ramp being the size it was and constructed the way it was these guys were able to like 
you know, pushed their limits a lot more. And so, you know, you, you see uh, Cab doing like a super high mute, which isn't called mute anymore, <laughs> but it's a mute air. No offense to any mute people right. out there. Um, it was just wild. I mean, I was exploring different ways of shooting fisheye, long lens. The sky was just like it is today, not a cloud in the sky, and, mm. and it was just bright, and the ramp was like reflecting and filling in shadows. And But I used ectochrome for the first time, and I did not know that that kind of had a, sh- a blue shift to it. And, of course, I had to report to ass kicking uh, when Fausto saw, what the fuck, these photos are all blue. And I'm like, that's the film you brought back from the <laughs> film store. I used it. Well, you should know, goddammit, you should look. I, Damn. Yeah. Yes, sir. No color correcting back in those days. Nope, it was just film. Well, I mean, the, yeah, there wasn't. Uh, but I mean, you, right now you could. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you could take that and make it nice and warm, like a coat mm-hmm. of chrome, and which is what I was used to shooting. But it didn't have much latitude as far as um, you know. You, you didn't. You couldn't open it up as many stops. Right. You know, kind of open up the shadows, and the shadows are a little oily and. Wow, film. I haven't thought about film in a while. That's taken me back. Um, but it was great, you know, exploring different lenses. Um, I think I ended up selling a bunch of photos from there for ads. Um, Jimmy's uh, NHS or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of good skate shots, a lot of excess. I couldn't put them all in the article. So I had a lot of leftover, and I couldn't use them again later, so they were hot to go. Hey. And that was back when you sold three or four ad photos, and you made a whopping, like, two, three hundred bucks. Uh, hundred bucks each if you're lucky. In the early, mid-80s, so that was a lot of money back then. Sure. Now it's nothing. It's not even groceries. Right. Lightway, sir. Blood wizard. Blood wizard. Blood wizard. Shop.bloodwizard.com. Hey, it's Corey at Blue Plate, 3218 Mission Street. Come see us. Meatloaf, fried chicken, deviled eggs, Dollar Olympia beers. We're here every day of the week. We got a garden and we got smiles on our faces. Come let us make you happy. A lot of people know, or a lot of people might not know, but you did Tommy's uh, graphic for his board. You did Mickey Alba's graphic for his skateboard. I was talking to John Gibson, and he said before Pusshead, you were working on a graphic that was kick-ass for his deck, but it was a little controversial with Newton, so it didn't fly, maybe. Is that why? (laughs) There might have been some boobs. There was... (laughs) The boobs did it? That's what I hear. Man, I spent a lot of time on those boobs. (laughs) Many, many hours of getting those things just right. I think they mentioned something about doing a t-shirt or something of that. Hmm. I gotta double check. What was it? It was like a... uh, What was the actual drawing? It was like an Indian woman with a skull or something? Well, if you kind of think in terms of like those old um, Mexican um, calendars where you had like the Aztec or Mayan or I forget which um, tribe the warrior with the holding the dead princess kind of thing so it was a Uh. little bit homage to that so it was kind of like a warrior he might have been holding um one of those war clubs with obsidian on it. I can't remember. I think for a head, he had a, um, uh, 
you know, like a longhorn skull. Um, and kneeling before him was this woman with very nice breasts. <laughs> I don't think they would be like that if it was real. Yeah. I don't think they had any support back then. Right. But anyway, that <laughs> back to the boobs. Um, <laughs> I guess they were controversial back then. Well, it wouldn't be controversial now, probably. You never know. A lot of stuff is controversial now. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So. I'm curious because Thrasher is doing um, Deathmatch next week or in two weeks. They're going down to Palm Desert, like outside where Coachella and that area is. They're doing this thing with suicidal tendencies. So they got kind of like that element, but they're paying homage to the Great Desert ramp battle. Oh, really? Yeah, so they were, they were looking for video to try to project on it. And there's, you know, they're going to have some photos there and, and this and that. But, um, you were part of this. I think, Stesic, am I right by saying Stesic, Fausto, and and probably, I don't know who else, kind of was coming together with the Joe Ramp, Joe's Ramp Jam and the Midwest Melee and all those contests in that era was kind of like building the community in skateboarding. Bringing skateboarding to the people. Okay. Is what basically that was. Um... Uh, one day I was watching um, uh, some surf contest, I, don't, I forget where, and I was asking them, how, how does this work? Well, you know, they have a certain amount of time and they got to catch a certain amount of waves and do that. I go, well, fuck, you should just do skate contests like that, you know, and I, I proposed that to Fausto and I go, well, you know, let's just kind of have whatever number of people who enter the pros enter divide that up into a certain amount you know and then call those heats and then basically have them skate for like 20 minutes but something you know or whatever amount of time um, and then you start off by you know each person in that heat takes one run basically to introduce them as being you know okay this is the first guy in the heat and after you get through all of the guys in that particular heat then it just becomes a session of just those guys for a short period of time right and then Faust goes oh that's a great idea we'll call it a jam rip jam and then he was walking around the fucking offices all day long. <laughs> Ramp Jim! Ramp Jim! Ramp Jim! He'd walk right up to my ear. Ramp Jim! Ramp Jim! Ramp Jim! Like, what the fuck? He's like, I'm trying it out. <laughs> trying it out. See if it sucks. Well, it's. I'm thinking it sucks now that you're doing that in my ear. So basically that was how the jam was Creative. set up to be done. Okay. And the first one that that was done at was at Joe's. Um, and that was where debuted that concept. Joe Lopes. What can you say about Joe? Like, some people may not have ever got to meet him. He was gone pretty early. Yeah. Um, he was a fire that burned really bright. You know, he was always energetic and just like, it was kind of funny. We'd be up there, you know, I, these guys are skating the se you know session on his ramp. And then if we wanted to do a bong load, we just kind of went over to the side and just kind of crawled through the window into his bedroom, which is right there off the rollout deck, and did a couple bong loads, came back out, you know, smoke was billowing up, you know, out of the window. <laughs> he just had a sense of, community the locals that were there i mean that's where i met fedge mm. and uh what was that little like fabiger he was he was there once in a while uh-huh um but there was a handful of crew that were there that i hadn't seen anywhere else uh, okay you know 
that were just that's where I saw them at and then they ended up becoming you know traveling with us on the world stage I'm like going that's kind of cool yeah you know here I'm like oh these are just some guys who skate here and like suddenly they're getting their own model <laughs> and now they're going pro I'm like going wow that's it's weird how that works you know you just stumble across these guys go hey this guy's pretty oh he's pro I guess he was good yeah what do I know I, mean, I just like two or three things you know and these guys did the other stuff and I couldn't remember the name of all the tricks and stuff they did I remember when uh, Fat Carlos from Fogtown had me go over and paint Joe's ramp with the the skull and cross trucks um, on the ramp so I painted that he had me paint that and then he made me take a photo if you look in the old thrashers you'll see um group photo of a of everybody that was there that day after i well i finished painting it and then they ended up putting it on the ramp my memory's foggy yeah i can imagine i'm getting old a lot of bong rips (laughs) yeah a lot of blows to the head (laughs) oh man uh so getting back to those contests though how were they judged? Was there just one judge, or did they have a group of um, judges? No, there was a, a group of judges, and basically it was how well did this guy skate during this focused period of time. So not overall best trick or anything. It was overall no. impression. It was basically who skated the best in, in during that s- session. Basically, they were timed sessions. Okay. And then, you know, they got rated... You know who skated the best, uh, you know, and then just rank them top to bottom, and then whatever the um, uh, a certain amount of the placings for each group went into um, a final heat. Okay. You know, I've, I can't even say if memory serves me because it's not <laughs> serving me shit. Right. But. The way things were done back then, it would have been like, you know, a handful of guys who opinions and insights and knowledge of skateboarding was um, was fairly, you know, was very thorough. It was also part of the crowd's response to everything, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody might have, like, done some insane trick, but... If a guy went and just session and just like almost bailed every time and just kept going and kept going and just blew minds, he might win. Right. Because he was just like couldn't fall off. Like a a Dwayne Peters kind of thing where he goes up and does a lip trick and a wheel flies off and he still goes up and does something else on the next wall. That's... You know, I mean, I've seen it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've seen him hang up and then pull it off that that way it it levels the playing field with the super high tech guys or the guy you know like like Tony Tony Hawk or you know and back then it was like Neil Blender Lance Mountain and Grosso and Hasoy and they were just coming into their own and so you had a little Roscop. I think he was there, and he was just getting started um, making fun of him a lot because he was from Ohio. Yeah, you know, Ohio called him the farmer, <laughs> and then Neck <laughs> just called him Neck. He's and then I remember when we were in Europe. And it, and he and I went out to dinner, and he got spaghetti. And it, it, as soon as it came, we were in like in Venice. I'm like, oh, this pasta's got to be cool. Fork and knife. He just chopped the shit out of that. Go, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Did anybody see that guy? We're in Italy, dude. You don't like go do that. You're gonna get us killed. What? <laughs> Loved Roscoe. <laughs> so. Uh, he was funny. Huh. 
What was uh, the Great Desert Ramp Battle? What Talk about that. Were you down at that? Yeah. Yeah, I actually did the... I drew the T-shirt for that. Oh. I illustrated the T-shirt that we did for that. Palmdale. Palmdale. Yeah. And it was raining. Oh. I remember it rained for... You know, it was like raining and the guys like went there and they were playing soccer on the ramp because it was wet. <laughs> so they could, couldn't skate, so they played soccer. And then they started... And then it just became overcast. It didn't rain anymore, so they um, toweled it down. Um, I think it was Keith Stevenson's ramp. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, or he had a huge involvement in it. Okay. Um, so it was either his ramp or he was, had a huge involvement with it. I think he got a lumber company to to sponsor all the wood, and they just painted their logo on the on the ramp. And it got like filmed on cable mm. or something like. You know, and I remember going with Fausto to uh, an audio store and tried to find the biggest blast box that we could find um, that we could plug a microphone into. Yeah. To try and announce, and it I mean annoyed the shit out of everybody in the. <laughs> You know, in, in the music store, Faust was like, test, 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 can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hey, 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 Mofo, can you hear me? Like, yes. <laughs> Fuck, dude. <laughs> we'll take this one. <laughs> you know, it's like, what the fuck, man? And yeah, I remember um, also the, 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 the day of the contest, and I had one of those paddle ball things, mm. you know, the little... Yeah, where the ball on the little Connected. elastic band, you go back up, back up, back up, back up. Yep. So I was trying to, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I could never get it to work. So I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to, f- all this downtime I have and airports and shit, and I'm just going to learn how to do this. So we're all getting ready to like take off and, you know, there's a soy and cab, you know, and those guys are like, I don't know, 16, 17 years old at the time. And I'm sitting on the bed, and I'm like, back, 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 back. Fausto walks over, yanks it out of my hand, smacks me across the face with it, breaks it. I lose it. I tackle him into the closet. Oh, shit. And had the coat rack both arms on the coat rack and he and, and was just pressing him against his neck against the shelf in there and just and then he blacked out whoa I thought I killed him <laughs> and fucking Hosoy and Cab are looking at me like like what the hell just happened I go I don't know and like Fausto was like you know I'm like lowering him down to the ground make sure his head doesn't like smack the ground and then he just like what happened I go I don't know. You fell. Damn. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, one thing is like you walked by, you fell. I got up, broke my paddle, and um, and 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 then you woke up. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. And then uh, you know we that's we went to the ramp and it was wet and. And Dwayne, he was skating there, and I remember he slid, and a big sliver just shot, you know, went up his thigh. So he was out of commission. So he was walking around with a cane. Fuck. Um, and uh, Lance, I remember Lance was doing a, a channel air, like a, like a backside air... Like an indie air to hand plant over the channel. I, I'm trying to visualize it, and I got. If you look in the, um, like an eggplant. Fuck! I don't know the names of all this shit. <laughs> I might have had eggs for breakfast that day, but, and I know I stepped on more than a few plants. 
Right. That um, was a Midwest Melee. It might have been the cover, maybe. A, a, plant, a channel plant. No, no. If you, if you look at the um, Great Desert Ramp Battle. Okay. I think it's a centerfold that I shot of, of that. Okay. I didn't always wanted to get a print of that. Huh. But, yeah, there's that. I mean, I'm like, whoa. And, it, and it's, it's like that. I mean, his fingers maybe two inches away from landing. Sick. Um, Lance is one of the best. Yeah, it was like, whoa, I got a photo that came out. <laughs> yeah, talk about that a little bit. Like, before the instant satisfaction when you're just shooting film and stuff, especially at an event, What's the percentage of photos that you're like, I feel like you kind of underplay, like, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing this and doing that. But you got some epic photos, so you kind of had to know a little bit what you're doing. But what's the percentage of a 36-frame uh, uh, roll of film? How many, uh, how many are usable, you think? Well... <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't know what the fuck I was doing at the time because a lot of it is just dial spinning. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of knew how to get in, in the zone, but I didn't know. But, you know, when I introduce a flash and it's on camera and the guy's like a foot away from you and and it's variable power and um and it's black and white film and and it's like uh uh <laughs> i could overexpose this really easily or not or and so like i would just bracket like crazy mm. sometimes the really good shot was the one that was way overexposed on that scale of doing it I can get into the zone a lot quicker now, you know, with digital. I'm like going, okay, right, some, <laughs> blow my mind. Sometimes I go, oh, I'll set it to this, this, and this, and then go, poof, holy shit, that's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so after a while, you kind of like look at the light and go like, okay, well, I'm going to start here. It's pretty bright out. So, I'll, well, using film, I would um, prorate. I mean, if it was bright out, I would use like 50 ASA. Um, I ended up using a lot of Velvia as I kind of started getting into the groove and like going, hey, I think I got this sort of figured out. Mm. Which basically means like if my sweet spot in the zone was... It, it, you know, like, let's say it's 10 inches. I narrowed it down to about four. So I would still get a lot of overexposed and fucked up ones and underexposed ones. But I got, I got, I, I would yield a little bit more images as time went on. And, you know, when the magazine was using color on the, you know, using more color photos, um, then our budget for color film boosted up. Then I was like getting it bulk, hmm. you know, and then, uh, and then hand rolling some of the stuff. Right. Um, and, uh, but I would prorate and shoot in bright light condition, but with a really low ASA and prorate 50 ASA to about 30, 32, I forget what, I was doing <laughs> but it was something like that okay and so I would super underexpose it and introduce flash into it and by underexposing it you know I'd use a smaller aperture and then pumped up the flash a little bit and this was all on camera flash because I didn't know any different uh huh then after, actually at Joe Lope's wedding, I blew out both the cartilage in both knees um, doing the limbo. Um, no way. I never heard this one. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> doing the limbo. They had the limbo thing, and I got down way low, and I'm 
fucking <laughs> just tanked. Um, I'm like, yeah, I can limbo, and I got way down. I, I can go way down, and so I got so, down so low, and then I just like collapse, and like my um, shoulder blades hit the ground, and I just kind of bounced myself back up, and just felt both knees go ping ping. Oh. And I went oh, but I got underneath. And then I partied the rest of the night, and I think I I drove Blackheart's car back for him because he was too drunk to notice that I was drunker than him. Ah. <laughs> but he had a Mustang, and I remember driving that back. Oh, shit. Um, and then we went to, I think it was Joe Lope's wife's parents' house afterwards. And then everybody got had a hot tub, and they had a hot tub party, and then I just jumped in naked. I remember that. <laughs> but the next day it was like hell getting trying to walk and stuff. So anyway, fast forward, I get both knees operated on at the same time. And then there was a contest. I think it was downtown San Jose in an arena or something. Mm -hmm. And I needed do photos but this was like on a mini ramp and I think it was a weird shape so it had a spine it might have been like a Y shape I don't remember oh yeah I remember was that, that. It? yeah it was a Y yeah and so I got I think it was Mark Bedeo and somebody else it might have been Fred Fred I haven't thought of that guy in a while. Hope he's doing good. Is that Fred Smith? No. Fred uh, Conrad, I think it was. Fred Conrad, okay. Um, and Mark Medeo, who incidentally is the guy landing on the crowd on top of the people's heads in the, the, sh the minor threat photo that I have where, you know, Ian is off on the left-hand border and then you see the whole crowd and yeah. and you see this guy just landing on his back. That's Mark Medeo before I even knew him. Ah. And I didn't even know that was him up until about a year or two ago. No way. He goes, that's me. I'm like, holy shit, that is you. Damn. <laughs> yeah, where's that? At, was and that, that was at the That was at the On Broadway. On Broadway. Upstairs. Mm. So anyway, I had, um, getting back to the camera and flash and stuff yeah so i'm like well i can't walk <laughs> i'm on crutches i can't how am i gonna do this so i'm i don't know i'm in the, the adolf gasser photo place um and talking to these guys like going i got this problem how, how should i do this he goes well you know, the basketball photographers and all that stuff, what they do is they set up some big Normans up in, you know, they, they, they set them up, you know, around the arena, aimed down, and then, when, and, and then they have a radio slave. And so wherever they're at, they shoot, and it triggers these lights, and basically, you know, it, 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 it's off-camera flash. Uh -huh. I'm like... Oh, okay. So I rented a super long lens, um, rolled a couple big fat joints, and made sure I had plenty of whiskey in the camera bag. I only needed one lens, so I had plenty of room. Um, and then I had like Fred and Medeo go over and, and, put these Normans on the ramp pointed in at certain areas and then hooked them up radio slaves so I just sat in the you know in in the arena seats aimed the camera and then when, whenever somebody went past my little trap light trap poof took a shot Nice, yeah. I'm like, going, well, that works. And then I'm like, going, well, and then, so I'm putting the, the the article together, 
And then for photo credit, I'm like going, well, I took the photos, but these guys, it was kind of a team effort. Um, and I go, oh, Dark Room Rangers. <laughs> so photos by Dark Room Rangers. Uh. Um, and, uh, and the Dark Room Rangers were myself, Medeo, and Fred. I did something similar, but I had um, uh, Chris Ortiz helping me, and I wasn't sure if somebody else helped me, but it was like a team effort to do something else of setting up some lights and stuff. Hmm. And I couldn't call that Darkroom Ranger, so I called that the Devil's Brigade. Damn. And so photos by the Devil's Brigade or the Darkroom Rangers. And the Devil's Brigade meant certain people, and Darkroom Rangers meant certain people. So, Because I couldn't take credit because I didn't do everything. Right. You know, I do now, but, you know, back then, I, I got to yell at people and tell them what to do. <laughs> and got paid for it. Yeah. And they and, the, and they got paid for me yelling at them and telling them what to do. Yeah, the, the, so there was a dark room downstairs in the back. It, it's, it was an actual dark room. You guys were developing Oh, yeah, had a light trap and all that. I used to... <laughs> Medeo, man. I used to lay down in, in the, um, on the floor hungover because it was... The tiles were nice and cool. Uh-huh. So I'd go in there and sleep for about an hour, you know, un- underneath the shelves. <laughs> and I hear Fausto coming, where's Mofo? <laughs> I get up. I'm like, come out. I'm like going, hey, man. <laughs> That's working. That's <laughs> working. What are you doing down here? Like, uh, what do you need? I was just putting some stuff away. Checking supplies, boss. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but sometimes, you know, the, the, the door would be closed and the light trap, uh, into, into that area and Mateo would be in there, you know, focusing and toiling away and making black and white prints and Mm. shit. And and then I got a pack of firecrackers and line them up and the, at the bottom of the door (laughs) and then got a lighter and just went along with them. And as that, as they were getting lit, I would just flick them into the light trap underneath the door, like click, 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 click. Bang, whoa, bang, oh, boom, bang, bang, whoa, fuck. Mofo motherfucker. Yeah, just checking. <laughs> I guess, I, I guess you're in there. <laughs> I didn't know you were in, there was anybody in there. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the, the the days, um, I, the intercom, Madeo, come up here, come up to my desk. Okay, hang on, I'll be right there. Okay, what? What do you need? Here's seven dollars. <laughs> Skate to the liquor store and get me a, a pint of Jack Daniels. What? Go yourself. I would, but then I'd have to fire you. <laughs> we don't want that. And I got to finish this other thing up. And right after that, I want it. You know, this. Every day, <laughs> I'd figure out a different way to to uh, make him go do that. And he came back. He goes, man, he goes, I'm not doing that again. It was like these big black guys hanging out the outside there and they were, they were going to kick my ass and I'm like well looks like you got away you did it yeah <laughs> what was that neighborhood like back then was it as rougher for sure right oh it was rough and tumble was the fence always there like the parking lot and all that was it always the parking the lot was was about half of what it was and it wasn't paved Mm. It was like dirt, dirt and gravel, and um, whoa, what was it? My sh- my, sh- my sunglasses hitting the 
pop filter. Oh yeah, it was. I I'd come out like be the last one to leave for the day and come out and then be. I'd see these legs sticking out of uh, my car door open and legs sticking out like somebody going and rifling through. Oh shit! Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? I'd walk over there and go, hey asshole. Oh man, uh, you know, uh, uh, I was walking by and I saw somebody in here, so I was just checking to make sure everything was okay. God damn uh, it. Yeah, right. Get the fuck out of here. What's like one of the raddest or gnarliest things you've seen Blackheart do in those days? Actually, the gnarliest thing I remember about Blackheart is when we were building a skate park out by Oak Ridge. Hmm. It never got, never got completed. They went bankrupt before, you know, uh, we got it finished. But there was this really long, like, half pipe, like a U-shaped pipe with lots of vertical that went down and it was really long and then it ended in this giant bowl so think like the Winchester keyhole but maybe about half again bigger Mm. and Blackheart was there on a motorcycle on a dirt bike and he was riding down the length of the half pipe just going up the walls and then he went down into the bowl and carved the bowl and edged. On the bike? On the bike. Damn. His wheels were right along the edge. He went up and just went, I'm like, holy shit. And I mean, that's the most, was the most amazing thing. I mean, it was just like, and because I, I was standing down the bottom, he rode right past me. Right. You know, and um, he did that and then no biggie and, you know, and he skated off and he was just going through the other stuff. Um, I remember one guy, that, <laughs> one guy that we had that was there helping and I forget where he came from. He was one of a friend of a friend who um, ended up coming out to work there and we picked on him a lot oh yeah oh yeah we could run kelly run oh shit and he'd go running and so we're you know digging all these things out so there were like dirt clods everywhere so we're like throwing dirt clods and like you know he's like running back and forth like this little like a shooting gallery duck <laughs> at a carnival or something oh, and we're and there's like dirt clods coming at like every possible way that he could run there were like already projectiles in the air coming at him mm-hmm. and um <laughs> yeah the good times did you go to that pipe the was it bombora um yeah i Saw black. I think that was the very first time I saw Blackheart skate um, in Bombora, and it was funny because uh, same day um, that was the first time I ever saw John Hudson. Oh, and he was riding in the pipe. Oh. I mean, John Hudson, the downhill, downhill racing guy. Yeah, you know the hut, the hut tuck guy. Yeah, so we. Went in there, <clears throat> me, um, I was, at that time, a couple guys I went to high school with, um, David Gula and John McDowell, I think was his, the other guy's name, hardcore skaters. Uh-huh. Um, Gula was actually in skateboarder magazine like either on the 50 hot kids or the second volume you know part two whatever the extra hot kids Mm. um 
and um, he he did gorilla gripping. So he skated barefoot and jumped over things, grabbing the board with his toes. Oh. And um, they called him Stone Toes. Uh, and he was gnarly. Huh. Um, but anyway, he <clears throat> would drive, drove us out there, and we cleaned it up and got it all together, and then Blackheart and Weston, I think probably would have been Weston and Fly. They usually hung together. Um, They showed up, so it was like time to sit down and watch. Mm. Um, And the thing with, with that pipe is it had seams. Well... There, leaks? Well, it le- it leaked, too. And so we had to kind of go in there and dam it up and dry it up. But as the pipe went in, there were, like, sections, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and between each section was a seam. And, like, let's say the sections might have been maybe two feet or give or take a foot. Well, two to three foot wide and then be a seam and sometimes they didn't line up so you could only do certain seams I got you and if you came down on along the bottom and and you were half on one seam half on another you would dead stop because cement kind of splooged out uh-huh. and but you know these guys were pipe masters and you know basically I was still learning how to fake it. I didn't think I ever got to the point of gyrating in there before it got filled in mm. um, but you know seeing you know sitting back and seeing those guys they they would gyrate and then when they got up high they would carve and go over to another good scene Mm-hmm. So they would like skip bad seams. Yeah, okay. It, it was something like that. Glory I mean, kind of like that too. Um, and then not far away from there was Los Altos Pool. Oh, yeah. That was a huge staple in that era, right? Oh, yeah. A lot yeah. of people that's, merged and met each other at that pool. Yeah, that's where I actually learned how to skate a pool. I mean, I went from going and up the wall and jumping off and chickening out mm-hmm. to you know carving um, carve grinding and then coming back and then doing back and forth little wheelers and that was my run I'm done I'm happy I don't need to do anything else you know um, who killed that pool the hardest like- <sighs> Blackheart yeah <laughs> Yeah. Was that, he rolling in on that pool? Um, I don't remember. Hmm. But one of the... Um, I took a photo of him uh, at that pool. Pre-indie. Um, might have even been pre-tunnel, I, I think. Oh, wow. I'm not sure. Um... And, um, <clears throat> but he would just destroy that place. You know, right. I, that was another, like, Blackheart's here, time to sit down. Yeah. Watch. <laughs> because I'm never going to get a ride anyway, so I'll just become frustrated trying to get a ride, but he's going to snake me anyway, so I'm just going to sit down. Yeah, when I found out about Bombor, I was so hyped, like, that we had a full pipe in our area that... It didn't last too long, though, huh? Did they fill it because people were skating it and they were sick of that, or? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. Okay. I just know that. I've gone there. No recently. more rides out to Bombora. We've <laughs> talked about going down there, digging it out. It's like, yeah, right. There's neighbors and everything. Yeah, they would spot you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt.
You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at TalkingSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at TalkingSchmidt at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout-out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. Shout-out. Love it! This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper. Keep the wheels greased.